Word of the Lord this evening. I'd like to just begin by turning your attention to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And uh, we'll begin reading at the 15th verse. And uh, I know it's a, I'm so grateful for all who came out tonight. I know this wasn't the easiest day in the world to get to church uh, because of the weather and the adversity of, of the winter storm uh, that, that hit this morning. And then, of course, somewhat subsided throughout the day but thank you for making the effort to be here and I believe it will not be in vain I know it will not be in vain I believe the Lord will have a good word for us tonight that will help us in our walk with God first John 2 verse 15 love not the world and that's what I'm going to be speaking on tonight love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him for all everybody say all all that is in the world all of it the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but it is of the world and the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of god abideth forever praise god we're going to be speaking tonight on love not the world could we just pray over the word of god before we enter into it Lord, we thank you for your word. It stands forever. It is forever settled in heaven. We receive it into our hearts and our minds even now, O oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you'll make it plain to us. Lord, that it would give bread to the eater and seed to the sower. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would quicken it to our hearts, that we may live according to your word. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We will be looking forward to this Sunday where we will be continuing our uh, Tree of Life series. And we'll be uh, discussing the great truth that the leaves of the Tree of Life are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the Tree of Life are for the healing of the nations. And God is taking us as a congregation into some amazing, uh, into some amazing places. And I thank the Lord for that. Amen. Now, when we read from the books of John, any book of John, and there are several in the Bible and the New Testament, uh, of course, there is the gospel according to John. Then, of course, there are the epistles, the first epistle of John, which is where we have read from tonight. Uh, then there is the second epistle of John, the third epistle of John. And finally, uh, the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ uh, concerning end time, the end time. Uh, but John has a, a prevalent message throughout his writings, uh, and this message is his keen insight into the love of God, uh, the love of God. Uh, he understands it, I think, to a degree that, that uh, perhaps is superior uh, to, to any other writer, um, and uh, it, you know, especially in terms of, of his proximity to the cross of Jesus. See, when Jesus was being crucified, John was the lone disciple who stood at the foot of the cross and saw firsthand, up close and personal, raw and intense, the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he saw the blood. He saw the sweat. He saw the tears. He saw the wound. He saw the bruising. He saw the battering. He saw the mocking, the ridicule, 
He saw the psychological warfare. He saw the brutality of humanity against the Christ. And then, uh, and then he saw forgiveness. Uh, he saw, he heard, hit with his own ears, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. After all that they had just done, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And so he had a, pers- percep- a perspective of the love of God that truly set him apart from his contemporaries. Now, they could receive it by revelation, which is, which is how we have received it, uh, and, and through experience. But, but he actually got to stand at the cross. I mean, we sing the beautiful song, and I love it. And it brings tears to my eyes. At the cross, I bow my knee where your blood was shed for me. And, and we do. By faith and by revelation and by the experiences of life that draw us into the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the word of God. But John stood physically at that cross. What a place to have stood and what an amazing understanding it would have provided him about the Lord. So when he comes to his first epistle of John, he deals with the love of God in a profound way. He he deals with how to love God. What it means to love God. Uh, you can know whether or not you love God. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I love God. But, but you and I know that we really don't know much about anything. And only God knows our hearts. So John said, there's a way to know whether you love God or not. He said, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. So you love God. When you're keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous to you. And so when, when, when you're not keeping his commandments, you don't love him. And when his commandments are grievous to you, you don't love him. And so he said, hereby we know that the love of God is perfected in us when we are keeping the commandments of the Lord. That doesn't just mean in letter, but it means in spirit. And so this is something that we can understand and come to an understanding of concerning the love of God. We can know for a fact that we love God. And we can know from his writings how much God loves us. And he describes that it is not a matter of us loving God that it is, that is the great miracle. It is the fact that God loves us that is the great miracle. He explains to us these things, and and he describes how much of a miracle it is that God loves us. And then he he deals with the love of God in 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 another way that I want to talk about tonight. Not only does he tell us how God loves us, not only does he tell us how we are to love God, not only tells us how we can know whether or not we love God, we can gauge it, look at your life, look at your activities, look at your thoughts, Look at the way you conduct yourselves. Look at how you treat other people. All of this has a bearing on whether or not you truly love God. And you can't just love him in word only, but you have to love him in deed. And, uh, and, so, and it's not something you can force. It's something that has to be true and real and experiential. But then he deals with things concerning love that I, I want to I talk about tonight. He talks about what not to love. And how there are things you can have your love entangled with that can prevent you from experiencing the love of God, the love of the Father. 
And so that's what we want to look at tonight. And, and, uh, and we're going to do that. Now, what John said in, in verse 15, he said, love not the world. How many know that that's true? We are not to love this world. He goes on to explain, not only do I want you not to love the world, but don't love the things that are in the world. And there are a lot of people who say, oh, I don't love the world, but they, they, they actually do by virtue of the fact that they love the things that are in the world. I love the song that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You and I have to fall out of love with the things that we have let block us from loving God. And, and when we fall in love with the things of this world, we don't even know it, but we're letting our, ourselves become intertwined with this world. And, and John explained, listen, you can't do that because this world passeth away. It is in the process of dying. It is in the process of passing away. You have to set your hopes on things eternal. The old song said, time is filled with swift transition. How many know that's right? Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, hallelujah. And so this is so important that we lay our affections. We set our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Thank the Lord. So we, we end up falling in love with the world. We end up falling in love with the things of this world. Uh, I have heard... Uh, stories. I never got to know my great-grandfather, Andrew Urshan, uh, because he passed away 12 years before I was born. Uh, but they talk about how he took adamant, uh, he took adamant um, exception to the notion that we could love things. So when somebody would say, oh, I love chicken, he would say, we do not love chicken. We love Jesus. And they say, oh, well, yeah, of course, that's, oh, well, yeah, I love Jesus. In their mind, they're thinking, but I love chicken, too. <laughs> and they say, oh, I just love that car. We do not love cars. We love Jesus. I love that house. Man, I love that house. No, 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 we don't love that house. We don't love that car. We don't love that chicken. We don't love ice cream. We love Jesus. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I know, I know that's humorous, but, but in, in reality, we, we have to stop allowing these sacred emotions we have get in, intertwined with and entangled with things that pass away. It prevents us from fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, go into the highways and into the byways, and compel them to come. Hallelujah. Go find the halt and the blind and the lame and bring them unto the feast. And when you are in love with the things of this world, those things rise up in opposition to you loving the call of God upon your life, to you loving the will of God being done in your life, to you loving what God loves, to you loving what is the heartbeat of God. And so 
so you cannot love this world and, 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 and love God. So if you do love this world, here's the terrifying reality. The love of the Father is not in you. If you do love the things of this world, the love of the Father, you have chosen one thing over another. See, true love and, and, and godly love, there is a human love. And the human love is powerful. So don't get me wrong. People can love, but, but they love, when they love with human love, it is a powerful force, but it is so limited. And it is fickle, and it is broken easily. And it is easily offended and wounded. And so, so our world and the, the brokenness that exists in our world is a product of people trying to love with human love. And human love has, has decimated society because of its lack of endurance, because of its lack of purity, because of its, of its finiteness. It's as brittle as our bones are. If I, if I tried to walk off this platform and went head first and landed on something wrong, I might end up with a cast next time you see me. Because this, this is not an immortal body. And my human love is not immortal. It is subject to brokenness. But when I talk to you about the love of God, I'm not talking to you about a love that is subject to brokenness, subject to weakness. It endures, hallelujah, all things, believes all things, hopes all things, bears all things, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. That's agape love. And we, when we can love with agape love, that puts God first. And then everything falls into order. So when I love God with agape love, then I'm loving God and it covers the whole spectrum of my life. I love my wife as God would have me love my wife. I love my children as God would have me love my children. I love my neighbor as God would have me love my neighbor. I love my parents as that God would have me love my parents. I love my brother. I love my sister. I love my enemy. See, agape love empowers me to love as God would have me love. And I don't have a problem then loving my enemy. I don't have a problem then loving those, who, blessing those who persecute me because I'm not loving them with human love. If it was just Joel, you better believe we'd have a problem. But it's not just Joel. It's God in us so 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 this is what we want we need that love of the father inside of us and when we love the world then the love of the father is not in us when we love the things of this world the love of the father is not in us oh god don't let us be without your love but let us be baptized every day with the love of the Father. What manner of love is this that the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Oh, hallelujah. So love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all. And he does mean all. You know what all means? All means all. That's what that word means in the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the Latin, in the English. All that is in the world. Not just the bad stuff. Not just the, the obviously satanic stuff. All. 
that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it is not of the Father. It is of the world. And the world passeth away. This is why people become devastated when things pass away. This is why people become devastated when people pass away. Because they love. They love things. They love, they love, they, they have fallen in love with a certain way of things being. And so grief overtakes them. Now, the, the scriptures teach us we sorrow too, but we don't sorrow the way the world sorrows. So when we, when we have something or someone to pass away, we sorrow and we grieve just as any human being would sorrow or grieve. But with this catch, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, have mercy. Fall out of love with this world. If you are entangled with this world emotionally and your hopes and your dreams are tied up, wrapped up somehow in this world, you've got to break that. You've got to break that and fall in love with the Lord, fall in love with heaven. This is why 100 years ago when, when early Pentecost, apostolic Pentecostals were coming into the infilling of the Holy Ghost and coming into the revelation of the oneness of God and coming into an understanding of being baptized into Jesus Christ to be raised with Him, to walk in newness of life, they would write songs and they wrote songs, a lot of songs about heaven. The blood and heaven dominated their songs. They'd say, thank God for the blood. In sin I wandered, sore and sad, with bleeding heart and aching head, till Jesus came and sweetly said, I'll take your sins away. Thank God for the blood. Well, you thank God for the blood long enough, and you start to realize, hey, the blood covers me. The blood delivers me. The blood has set me free. The blood has washed my sins away. Hallelujah. Now I'm ready to make heaven my home. So Bishop Haywood wrote, thank God for the blood. Then he wrote, he wrote that beautiful song, we shall walk through the streets of that city where our loved ones have gone on before. We will go through the gates of that city, enter to go out no more. From the north, east, and west they shall enter. From the south too a host shall arise. Then the children of Abraham gather to hold a reunion in the skies. We're going to walk through the streets of that city. Hallelujah. They sang about it. They thought about it. They dreamed about it. That that was their meditation day and night. That God has prepared for us a city. So we're not going to fret about what this world holds. We're not going to fret about what disappointments we face in this life. The Apostle Paul, we, we, we really do. You know, we put him up on a pedestal. And, and, and you know, this is the best-selling book in the history of the world. And he never got any royalties. He got royalty, but he didn't get royalties. Because the royalties of this world pale in comparison to the royalty that God gave him in glory. 
And he said as much, this man who was snake bitten, this man who was shipwrecked, this man who spent days and nights in the deep, this man, this man who was beaten by the Jews, beaten by the Romans, this man who, whose life was in peril of robbers, in perils of his own countrymen, in perils of, of, of sword and famine and sickness and sadness, this man who lived with a thorn in his flesh and not even God would take it away. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which would be revealed afterward in us oh hallelujah that mindset has to get into our thinking that mentality has to get into our thinking. i'm gonna tell you something that's what will embolden you hallelujah to walk into your into your world and preach the gospel to every creature when you realize man this is what it's all about it's not about the promotions of this life it's about promotions in the next life hallelujah it's about what's awaiting me over yonder come on when was the last time we talked about over yonder that didn't originate in the south that originated in this mindset that there's something waiting on me and it's not in this life and it's it doesn't matter what what happens in this life except that i must give myself completely to jesus christ and then what awaits me makes it worth worth it all hallelujah and so he said the lust of the eyes and the pride of life the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life the lust of the flesh what we want that's what's in this world beware of what you want what you want can absolutely can absolutely throw your whole life off course from what god would have it to be what i want give me give me give me what i want what i feel entitled to what I feel people owe me, what I feel God owes me, what I feel I owe myself. These are all lusts of the flesh, what we want, what we, what we will do to get what we want. And the Bible describes a, a gentleman, a man in the scriptures who had this mentality. Verse 11 of Luke 15, and, and before I read this, I want to just, just point out, you can, you know people, you know people. I'm going to use some scriptural examples, but you could pull people up out of your, out of your high school. You could pull people up out of your workplace. You could pull people up out of your family. You can speak for yourself and say, I know what it's like. And I know people who knows what it's like to go down the wrong path thinking that I was going to catch some kind of good thing only to find out it was all a lie. It was all a lie from hell. And I ended up in a strange bondage that I couldn't get out of on my own. And, no, and, and, and this is the case with everybody. I mean, let me tell you what the Bible says, okay? It says this, when lust hath conceived. Okay, that's when people are having their fun, when lust is conceiving. It's tantalizing to the flesh. It's sensual. Lust is conceiving. And they're caught up in this deception of thinking that, that this is a good thing. I need this. I want this. This is something that's, that's going to be enjoyable to me. So they allow the lust to be conceived. Then it brings forth sin. And the sin has a seasonal pleasure. But, but when you realize it can't be real pleasure, because real pleasure is not seasonal. 
So it's fake. Real pleasure. This is the, this is the definition of real pleasure. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's how you know the difference between real pleasure and fake pleasure. Real pleasure is forever. Fake pleasure gives you a good feeling. And then it drops you into the depths of hell. And it is catastrophic. It is terrifying. Demons dance around you as you begin to find yourself in that abyss. And, and, and so when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. Something always dies. And it is painful. And it is the way of the transgressor. And the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So Luke chapter 15, verse 11, he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Give me, give me, give me, give me the portion of goods that, I, that are entitled to me. He divided unto them his living, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country. Get, get as far from this as I can. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get what was withheld from me. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. I'm going to tell you what, that is the way of the transgressor. When you're on your way to it, it's got this, I mean, it is, it is total and complete deception. And, and you, can, you, can just go down the, you can just go down the list. I, I, wish, I wish Budweiser would be more honest with their advertisements. They love to show you the party scene. They love to show you. I wish absolute vodka would be a little more, a little more honest. But they can't be honest because they, 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 they are fathered by the liar, the father of all liars. He can't speak the truth, and they can't speak the truth. So they put up this party scene in front of our, our, our whole generations that, that go, go back into, into generations uh, bygone and, and on up into this generation. And people literally don't believe they can have a good time with an, without an alcoholic beverage. They literally don't believe they can. And so they see this party scene, and they see people who look like they want to be. And so... The serpent in the garden is like sitting in the marketing room with the, with the marketing committee, the advertisement, the ad agency. Let's see how many people we can pull into this web of deceit. How many people we can entangle in chains of bondage. But I wish they would show you the people whose lives are utterly decimated. Mangled automobiles, broken marriages, shattered lives, broken homes. I, I just, but you'll never see that in the world because all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You'll never get that from the world. You'll only get it from a pulpit and from the word of God and from a God-fearing home, God-fearing parents. Amen. God-fearing people who will speak up and say, no, 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 no. No, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. 
You know, they, they, the Marlboro man for years, he looked so cool up on that billboard. And, and they don't want to talk about an iron lung. They don't want to talk about lung cancer. They don't want to talk about broken lives. Just, just lust of the flesh. So there's a mighty famine awaiting all who go this route. And he began, listen to this, to be in want. He started out trying to feed his want. I want, so I will take. Give me what will fall to me. I want. That's the lust of the flesh. But when you follow the lust of the flesh, you're only going to be in more want. Real want. And your soul will be impoverished. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He was so far outside the blessing of the Lord, nothing was coming his way. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now, I want you to know that everybody who, who walks away from God and goes down into the path of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Every single one of them want to get back to God. Now, not all of them do. And there are a variety of reasons. And, and, the, and the, the primary, the primary reason behind that is because so many feel so condemned. And they feel they wouldn't be accepted. They feel they couldn't make it back. They don't have confidence that they could ever serve the Lord. But they want out of that bondage. And don't you ever forget they want out of that bondage. And we have to be the kind of a congregation who opens our arms up and says, come on back into the fold. This is where you belong. This is what the prodigal son said. He said, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father but when he was yet a great way off his father saw him his father was looking for him that's the love of the father see if you love the world you don't get to experience the love of the father you're loving the world you have part, departed from the father's influence but, but all you've got to do is say I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say father I've sinned against heaven I've sinned before you his father saw him when he was yet a great way off he had compassion he ran he fell on his neck and he kissed him the son said to him father I have sinned against heaven in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son but the father said to his servants Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf, kill it and let us be merry and eat for this my, not my servant, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the world passeth away. Hallelujah. This was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. What you see. What you see. We, we, we like to be able to see with our natural eyes. We want to see results. The Apostle Paul taught us, we walk not by sight, we walk by faith. If we walked by sight, then we would not continue to walk because 
it, it appears in this world like it's not going to work out. But when you have a heavenly vision and you have a, a spiritual sensitivity to the things of God, then you are able to see what others cannot see and you're seeing with eyes of faith. I want to read to you something Brother J.T. Pugh uh, recently said in a message that I was listening to him preach. He was referencing Psalm 77 and verse 19 that says, Thy way is in the sea and thy path in the great waters and thy footsteps are not known. He said, when you follow God, you will follow an invisible footprint upon the back of a rolling wave that will vanish and be gone. Only the spiritual and the clean-hearted will see it and know it. See, when we say walk not by sight, we're not saying, we're actually not saying you won't see it. We're saying you won't see it with your fleshly eyes. Oh, you'll see it but you'll be seeing it with spiritual vision. And you have to stick to that spiritual vision when everybody else is looking at it with natural eyes and saying, I don't get what you're saying. You have to stick with the spiritual vision and say, it's there. And we're going to walk this path. The lust of the eyes will confront that. The lust of the eyes will challenge that. That's why you can't have the lust of the eyes as a part of your life. You have to sacrifice that, crucify that, lay that down before the Lord and say, God, I don't want the lust of the eyes to be a part of my life. The lust of the eyes will war against spiritual vision because you will, you will be torn between what your natural eye wants and what your spiritual eye needs to be able to see. We look at the account of the man by the name of Samson, Judges chapter 14. This man was just, this man was just a, a powerful man of God with promise covering his life. And he was, of course, noted by his great strength. But, but I, you know, I don't know that Samson was like Hulk Hogan. You know, I don't know that he was like the ultimate warrior walking around old ancient Israel and everybody knew well man don't mess with that guy because when he needed to do something physically powerful it happened when the spirit of the Lord moved on him he probably looked like just some average guy but when he needed to rip gates off of Gaza and when he needed to grab a jawbone of a donkey because listen it wasn't through his natural might it didn't say and then and then they made the Hulk Samson mad. And you don't want to make the Hulk mad. You don't want to make the Samson angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. And that's not what they said. He said the Spirit of the Lord came on him. It was spiritual strength that manifested itself in a physical capacity. But notice what his challenge was. His challenge. And, and notice what his fall was. His fall was that he confided in Delilah what his vulnerability was. He, and, and, and you know what? It was after about three times of her asking him, what is the secret to your strength? And he knew not to tell her. He knew not to get that close. He knew not to flirt that much. He knew not to get that close to Delilah. And yet, he was willing to flirt. He was willing to dabble. He was willing to be involved. 
And because he would not just simply walk away. The Bible says, listen, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say, don't get too involved with fornication. You don't want to get too, too involved. The scripture says, flee. It doesn't even give you a point-by-point point strategy. It doesn't give you a point A, sub point one, two, three. No, no, it's, it's flee, get out, leave, run. Run! Flee! That's, that's the word. That's the word. Flee from fornication. Flee youthful lust. Run. Get up. Get out. Leave it behind you. Don't deal with it. Don't dabble with it. Get out of there. Make not provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in that compromising position. And, and, and listen, if you're going to listen to this world, this world doesn't have a clue about this. Don't listen to this world, my God in heaven. This world is so confused, so upside down, so messed up. They don't have any idea. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not being mean when I say that. I, I say that with sadness. It is total and utter confusion. They don't know the difference between a male and a female any longer. They are completely confused. They are they are. Completely possessed by the author of confusion. Do not get your information from this world. They are on a broad way that leads to destruction. It is our job to save them. It is our job to preach the gospel to them. It is our job to love them and to reach them. Not to be educated by them. We can't evangelize a world that has converted us. We are the evangelists to this world. We are the prophets to this world. We are the preachers to this world. Not high and mighty, not self-righteous, not holier than thou. We must stay humble and knelt at the cross because, ladies and gentlemen, such were some of you. But now you are washed and now you are justified and now you are sanctified by the blood of Christ. But don't you let anybody tell you you're being judgmental because you won't subject yourself to the spiritual influence of this world. It is confusion. And sexual impurity will wreak confusion in your life. Sexual purity actually gives you a righteous image of God. Sexual impurity will distort, confuse, and, and corrupt your thinking, corrupt your mind. And it will affect every relationship of your life. Hallelujah. And the world says it's normal. And the world says, says boys will be boys. Girls just want to have fun. Sprite used to say, obey your thirst. Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. Incorrect. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you shall be filled. Nike said, just do it. And God said, abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from fleshly lusts. You know why you should abstain from fleshly lusts? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because they war against the soul. You know that thing that lives forever? That thing that if it's not right with God will spend eternity in fire and brimstone and damnation? That's why you abstain from fleshly lusts. They war against the soul. 
They're not just, they don't just make you feel bad. They don't just make you feel guilty. They war against your soul. They try to create a wedge between you and God. They try to build a wall between you and God. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Oh, God. So the kind of sexual relationship that is pure is this. One man, one woman in marriage. Sexual relationship before marriage, sinful. Sexual relationship outside of marriage, sinful. Sexual relationship between same sex, sinful. One type of relationship is holy and pure. Husband and wife in holy matrimony, in marriage. And anything else will cause confusion in your life. And this is why, this is why. It's not because the church is just, oh, we're ultra-religious and we're just going to condemn everybody who doesn't see it the way we see it. That's not it. Here's why. Because a sexual relationship is, an, is a picture of God's nature. We don't, get to, we don't get to define it. It is a picture of God's nature. And God's nature is typified by the love that Christ has for the church. So when Christ loves the church, you see a picture of a husband and a wife. That creates harmony. That creates holiness. That creates purity. Anything outside of that creates confusion. And you are asking for trouble and you'll get it. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what the word of the Lord says. And, and I'm doing it in a, in a generation that doesn't care what the word of the Lord says. But, but, but I'm, you know what? I'm tired. I am tired of seeing wrecked homes and wrecked minds and wrecked lives and addicted bodies and, and, and people whose, whose chemicals are all out of whack because they're subjected to things that can't bring satisfaction. I'm ready to preach the gospel because that's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. We've gotten accustomed to dysfunction. We've got used to abnormality. We've got used to things being awry, things being confusing. We think it's the way it's supposed to be, and it's not. God has a better plan. Notice what Samson's problem was. The first words we hear Samson say, Judges chapter 14, verse 1, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. He came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman. Brother Samson, you got an issue. You got to get it under control. The last thing you want to do is play around with that weakness. First words we hear him say is, I have seen a woman. This anointing covering him. He's a judge of Israel. He's got purpose. He's got promise. He's got power. He's got strength. But he's got, a, he's got a, an issue with lust of the eyes. And he's going to have to get that under control. And, and, and everybody in this room, everybody hearing me teach right now, none of us are perfect. Every one of us are human. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You better get honest about what your weaknesses are, what your challenges are. Take them to God in prayer. Don't be condemned by them. Take them to God in prayer. Do not make provision for the flesh. 
See, see, if you love the world, you're going to listen to what the world tells you about that. And the world's going to give you the same advice they gave to everybody else. You know, the people who are, who, are, who are looking to drugs, looking to alcohol, thinking that suicide is an option. That's confusion. Yes, it's the way. Walk ye in it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And so Samson was willing because he was not willing to deal with his lust of the eyes, he was willing to, to sit down with Delilah, to have relationship with Delilah, to have communion with Delilah. And he fell in love with the world. Then get ready for death. Because death will visit you, Samson. And death did visit Samson. He lost everything. He was bound by the Philistines. He, that's not what he signed up for. He didn't, want to be, he didn't want to be bound by the Philistines. He didn't want to have his eyes burned out of his sockets. That's not what he signed up for, but that's what he got because that's where sin takes everybody. And there he is paraded around as the Philistines mocked him and jeered him. As the Philistines ridiculed him, he was made an open sport. But he, like the prodigal son, turned his face to God and said, God, if you could visit me one more time. You know, I, I preached a message years ago, and, and, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not going to be much longer, but, but I feel the Holy Ghost here. I just, you know, I, it, it, the Scripture describes the, the role of a preacher as a watchman on the wall. And do you know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says that if the watchman on the wall sees an army coming in and doesn't say anything about it, then, then it's the watchman who's going to have to give account. So I'm looking around, and I don't see one army. I see tons of armies surrounding, surrounding the people of God, surrounding young people, surrounding marriages. And I see armies looking for ways to inflict harm upon upon peace of mind and upon peace of home and upon marriage as God would intend it and, and upon young lives and, 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 and upon the relationship young people would have and I've got to sound the alarm and so, so years ago I preached a message because I see in the, in the scriptures when Jesus was crucified there was, there was a great earthquake when he was crucified the moment that he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the, the sun went dark. In the middle of the day, everything went dark. And the earth began to quake. And the veil was rent in the temple from top to bottom. It was, it, ladies and gentlemen, it was dramatic when the only begotten Son of God gave up the ghost and commended his spirit into the hands of the Father. When that moment occurred, the sun went dark and the ground did quake. And there was a centurion who moments earlier was nailing his hands to the cross. Who moments earlier was spitting on his face. Moments earlier was part of that vicious crowd that couldn't wait to see him suffer and die. But when he saw the earthquake, the Bible says that when he saw that the earth did quake, he looked at Jesus and said, surely... This was the Son of God. And, and, and just in that very same chapter, when Jesus has been crucified and now they need a place for burial, the Bible says there was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple, 
who followed after Jesus. He, he, he followed Jesus, followed his teachings. And he, the Bible says, Mark said he craved the body of Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew that he was the only begotten son of the living God, that he was the Messiah foretold in the Old Testament. And he said, I want to take that body and I want to put it in a grave. See, he and the centurion had the same revelation. They both knew that Jesus was the Son of God. But Joseph of Arimathea got his revelation through discipleship. The centurion got his revelation because the ground beneath his feet did shake. So my question to you is, how are you going to get your revelation? Because you will. Oh, you will know who he is. I don't care what path you take. When it's all said and done, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, so you will confess him. You will shout it out loud. You will declare him. My question is, are you going to do it through discipleship? Or are you going to do it when everything in your world falls apart? Are you going to do it when, when, when the ground shakes beneath your feet and you can't stand up? When the sun goes black? When, when, when the veil is rent? And when the, when the earth is opening up around you and all hell is breaking loose? Or will you do it through discipleship? Teach me, Lord. I'll humble me before you. Show me thy way. Great, hear me, listen to me, listen to me. Great peace have they that love thy law. Listen, listen, listen. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Hallelujah. Yeah, Samson, get out of there. Flee, flee Delilah. Get out of there, Samson. Come on, young prodigal son. You don't, you don't have to have everything you want. Come on, don't fall in love with this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Finally, we come to the pride of life. And I, I referenced this just a few weeks ago. I want to reference it again. The great King Nebuchadnezzar. One of the first worldwide emperors. He had this unique thing. And, and it was interesting because whenever he was impressed by the children of Israel. He didn't know what to do with the children of Israel. He took these Hebrews captive. And they would flourish in spite of it. He didn't know what to do about that. They had a connection to an invisible God that was greater than him. So he had this dream where he's got this. In his dream... There was, an, there was a, a statue, and, and, and his head was the, st the top of the statue, and it was a head of gold, and it was his head. And then it was shoulders of silver, belly of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron, and clay. And he was like, I don't know what this means. Daniel was brought in after all the other magicians and astrologers were talked to, and none of them knew. In fact, he, not, even, not even Nebuchadnezzar could remember the dream. So he needed them not only to tell him the interpretation, he needed them to tell him what he actually did dream they all were proven to be frauds. They were waiting for him to tell them, and he needed them to tell him. Daniel walks in and says, this was your dream. While he's saying it, it all comes back to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, oh, my word, you're right. That's what it was. Now tell me what it means. He says, that golden head, that's your kingdom. But your kingdom's coming down. 
and there will be a subsequent kingdom. That's the shoulders of silver. And then a belly of brass. That's another kingdom. And then a kingdom of iron. And then ultimately the kingdom of the Antichrist, iron and clay. So Nebuchadnezzar, in that moment, folks, in that moment, Nebuchadnezzar was like, wow, I'm blown away. Great is the God of Israel. He turned into a saint. He's like shouting. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. And like four verses later, he wasn't truly converted. You want to know why? Pride of life. Who does he think he is telling me my kingdom will be taken from me? Golden head, silver shoulders. Get real. So he has a completely golden statue made. Remember the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar? That was in total defiance to the word of God. That had just been spoken saying that his kingdom would be followed by subsequent kingdoms. So he built a fully golden statue of himself. Golden head, nothing. Golden head, golden shoulder, golden belly, golden legs, golden feet. How you like that? And all of you have to bow to it. Total defiance to the word of God. And so they all bowed except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't bow to it. And, and so, so he threw them into the fiery furnace. But instead of them being consumed by the fire. Listen, the men who threw them into the fiery furnace died. It was so hot. It was heated up seven times hotter than what it was before. The men that threw them in died because it was so hot. But when they got in there, they did not die. As a matter of fact, they didn't even, they didn't even get injured by the flame. And when they came out, they, they didn't even smell like the flame. Oh, hallelujah. I, and, and so while they're in there, there's a fourth man that appears in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar sees him. I don't know if anybody else saw him. I don't know. All we know is Nebuchadnezzar looked down and said, didn't we throw three in the fire? Yeah. Why do I see a fourth man in the fire? And why does he look like the son of God? So, so, so he brings them out, and he's right back to being holy Nebuchadnezzar again. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great in my soul. This is awesome. Great is the God of Israel. But he didn't stay there. You want to know why? Pride of life. So in Daniel chapter 4, he has one other dream. This dream was of the tree. The tree that was great and spread its branches out all across the world. Until a, a messenger came from heaven, the angel of the Lord, and said, Take the tree down, but leave the stump of roots in the ground. And the tree was taken down. And, but the stump of roots was left. And Daniel gave the interpretation. And this is what he said in Daniel chapter 4, verse, verse 24. This is the interpretation. And I'm coming to a close. O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. Seven times shall pass over thee till thou know, till thou know, till thou know. You're going to go through this, Nebuchadnezzar. God has given you chance after chance after chance. He has shown you through Daniel. He has shown you through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He has shown you over and over his power. You gave him glory for a little while, but the pride of life kept entangling you. You fell in love with your world. 
So this is going to go on in your life till you know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that, thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All of this, all of this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. This, what he was about to go through was so vicious, God actually took from him the heart of man and gave him the heart of a beast. And he ate grass like oxen, and his hair grew like eagle's feathers, and his fingernails like eagle's claws. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon? See, this is why you got to stay in the presence of God. Because 12 months earlier, he's hearing Daniel preach to him, break off thy sins because of righteousness. Cast down thine iniquity and show mercy to the poor. Let it be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Let peace come into your life. And while he's hearing that, he's all shouting and praising God and thanking God and giving God the glory. But 12 months passed. It doesn't take very long for you to get out of the presence of God and get away from the word of God and you'll start letting the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life get back on you. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, giveth it to whomsoever he will, the same hour, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men. He did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. At the end of the days, this is Nebuchadnezzar telling the story. This is autobiographical. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion... Folks, this is the most powerful man in the world talking. This is the man who prides himself on telling people what to do and them doing it. And if they don't, they're executed. Listen to what he said. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. That was an admission. Mine isn't. My kingdom will be taken. But his kingdom is from generation to generation. 
And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. My counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Somebody lift up your hands and give God praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of our God. Blessed be the name of our God. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, somebody, fall out of love with the world right now. Fall out of love with the world right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Could you stand with me right now in the presence of the Lord? man was talking to me he said to me he said that he was a pastor he was a pastor's son his father was from you know an older generation and uh, they were having they were they were just they were just really having conflict he, lo- he liked this girl, had fallen in love with this girl. I don't know if it was real love or what kind of love, but, but he liked this girl. She wasn't, she wasn't good for him. It was a snare of the enemy. His dad knew it, and his dad told him, son, you don't need to be with that girl. He was rebelling against his dad, and... and uh, he told me, he said, in our home, it was, it was, through those couple years, it was like a war zone between me and my father. And, uh, and it got to the point where he was so defiant of his dad's authority and so rebellious towards his dad's authority that he, his father walked in one day and said, all right, that's it. It's her or us. And he said, he was in such a frame of mind, he said, fine. And he went to his room and he grabbed a suitcase and he started throwing clothes in the suitcase. His dad said, what are you doing? He said, I'm leaving. You said, it's her or you, right? Well, I choose her. His pastor father was so upset. He said, fine, I'll call her. Tell her to come pick you up. They were washing their hands. So the son went outside and sat on the front porch with his suitcase. The pastor dad, after about 15 to 20 minutes, walked out, stood on the porch and just looked at him. He said, son, don't you realize that the reason I'm objecting to you being with this young lady 
is because I love you. He had never heard his dad be that open and transparent. And he just sat there staring ahead, never said a word. But as tears rolled down his father's face, he stood up, grabbed his suitcase, went back inside, unpacked it, broke things off with the girl, and said, I, I can't have relationship with you. Because he was recognizing the love of the Father. I'm talking to somebody right now. I might, I might have caught you right in the middle, right where, right. You might be in that lust is conceiving or sin is being brought forth phase, and, and you might, it might not register to you yet the sinister evil that awaits you. But I pray in the name of Jesus that the word of God, that the love of the Father can reach you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hear the word of God now. Hear the word of God now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't. I'll preach the same message to you behind bars, but don't wait till then. Do it now. I preach the same message to you in a hospital room, but don't, don't wait till then. Do it now. Hear it now. I'll preach the same message to you when you're broken and, and, and the earth has shaken under your feet. But today is a day of grace. Today is a day of mercy. Somebody reach out to the Lord right now. Say, God, whatever it is in my life where the enemy is tempting me and reaching for me, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit to the love of my Father. I'm going to submit to the love of my Father. Hallelujah. On this first Wednesday night of the month, I'm just going to open this altar up for somebody who wants to come and pray right now. Come on, somebody, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Don't let the enemy have his way in your life. Don't let the enemy have his way in your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Oh, yes. With Jesus. Oh. Falling in love. Falling in love. With Jesus. Oh. I've ever done. Oh, yeah. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love. feel protected hallelujah in his arms 
never disconnected in his arms I feel protected no place I'd rather rather be come on let's pour our hearts out to the Lord right now can we cleanse ourselves before God creating me a clean heart oh God renewing me a right spirit come on where are you do you love God do you love God are you sure that you love God do you love God because you say you do or do you love God because you can genuinely know that you keep his commandments out of love and respect to him hallelujah Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever, ever done. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, in His arms I feel protected. In His arms, in His arms, I'm never disconnected. Oh, in His arms I feel protected. Hallelujah. No place I'd rather, rather be. Oh, that's it. That's the Spirit of the Lord. Just let Him move. Let Him move. Let Him move. Yes. In His arms I feel protected. Yes, I do. In his arms, never disconnected. Oh, in his arms, hallelujah. I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather, I'd rather be. Oh, yes, falling in love. With Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Oh, falling in love. Thank you, Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus, Lord. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I've ever, ever done. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Before we go tonight, I'd like for each of us to pray for ourselves. I'd like for each of us to pray for ourselves. The serpent is the most subtle beast of the field. His ways are so conniving, so deceptive. Let's pray that the Lord would deliver us from any love that we have for this world, for the things of this world. That we may have the love of the Father abounding in us. Oh God, do it in me, Lord. Do it in me. Lord, let your love so richly abound in me. Hallelujah.
Let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Come on, pray for yourself right now. Pray that God would deliver you from any temptation. Pray that God would deliver you from evil. Pray that God would protect your mind. Pray that God would protect your heart. Pray that God would cleanse you of all unrighteousness, all filthiness of the flesh. Come on, in the name of Jesus, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Oh, God. Lord, if it has found a way to root itself in me, Lord, uprooted in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Lord, let my life love you. Let my life love you. Let my life be an example of loving you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we stand at the foot of your cross thanking you for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thanking you for the blood of the Lamb that is slain from the foundation of the world. Thanking you, God, that you brought us out of darkness into a marvelous light. Oh, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. Oh, in his arms I feel protected love. In his arms, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Falling 